<laughs> and that's when he said, just close your eyes and... <laughs> <laughs> so I did I did and I completely cleared that pudding cup mm. oh hi everyone sorry didn't see you there because no this is audio no one cleans their bowl <laughs> quite like Cthulhu um, that's true he's, he's a famished boy it's all the tendrils um, <laughs> get him right up there give, give, give him a flask sorted Sorted. I don't pay for a washing machine anymore. I just put things near his mouth. <laughs> yeah, but then they come out all slimy. Yeah, and full of despair. The, the Much grime like... of eons. <laughs> the grimiest podcast of them all. Yes. Welcome to Big Dumb Cast, folks. Uh, nerdy news, geeky gossip, stuff that's fit to fill your time. Like uh, Americans fill all of their sandwiches with sprayed cheese. That's a fact. Don't look it up. It's true. Cheese in a can. Cheese in a queen. Um, uh, I am Chris Johnson. Uh, I am uh, Matthew Watson, but in the body of a handsome man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's relevant. This week, <laughs> we're covering two main topics. We're talking about WandaVision. Bum, 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 WandaVision. And uh, also uh, something about the uh, uh, Diana, Princess of the Mascara. Uh, we're reviewing Wonder Woman 1984 because we've seen it. We've both watched it with our eyes. So we're going to talk about both. Uh, where do you want to start, sweet boy? Um. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> WandaVision I can, is a I more... I can see the cogs turning. It's a more sort of open-ended discussion because we're just sort of inviting hmm. and speculating. Yep, minor spoilers and probably so, spoilers for WandaVision due this episode, as well as Wonder Woman 1984. So that's a warning so, at the top. If you don't mind spoilers, keep listening. We'll do it, We'll do the sort of lighter touch, ooh, what's this WandaVision stuff first, and then mm. we'll get we'll get into the into the, the nitty-gritty that is uh, WandaVision, uh, Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> you sound slightly hesitant to talk about Wonder Woman 1984 in some way. I don't know why that might be. I don't know why that might be. I mean, I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about it. Um, Yeah. I feel like we might have slightly different opinions on it. Yeah, I think one of us had a better time. Well, I think one of us definitely had a better time. But that's what happens when you're a top. And one one of us has had it as their phone wallpaper for two years and is now like, what do I replace it with? Because I don't know if I want this as my phone wallpaper. I anymore. I can't help you. Mm. I I can only disappoint. I can't. Do you know what it was before this? I've, I've had I've had this wallpaper since late 2019. Um, that's my my phone wallpaper and my desktop wallpaper. My phone, my menu. One is a similar, uh, woman Wonder Woman 1984 picture. Mm. Both golden armor, neon lights, all that good shit. Um, before that, I was like, maybe I just change it back to what it was before that. But before that. It was uh, a close-up of Buster for Jones from the first Cats trailer. Oh, no! Because every time oh! Lucy looked at my phone, she went, oh, God. So I left it off. Oh, no! So I can't even revert it back to that. Oh, no! I can't even revert it back to that because that's inaccurate Buster for Jones. Oh! They changed how he looked between the first trailer and the film. 
you'd forgotten that, hadn't you? I'd forgotten all about Buster for Jones. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but I've not forgotten about WandaVision. Although it hey. seems that our titular characters have some possible holes in their memory. Yeah, they got um, some splaining to do. Um, so I mean, f- you say titular, you say titular characters. I think titular character. Well, we'll get into that. It's, yeah. it, it, there's a lot of speculation to be had because the first two episodes dropped together, which was a nice little treat. Because yeah. I was only the expecting f- the first. The first bit of Marvel Cinematic Universe content we have actually had since July 2019. Yeah, uh, that's so, a weird thought. That uh, is a weird weird thought. And, and the moment that done. Dun 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 ba 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 it was like, just like oh, oh oh warm feeling inside we're about to watch a new thing we're back from here we are again yeah yeah um so that and was <laughs> that was nice and yet um, it starts in a way that makes you go no wait what the hell's happening what's they going on just go they just go for it don't they we watch the opening title sequence to WandaVision seemingly a 1950s sitcom um late late 50s dick van dyke era and very much inspired so much so that kevin feige had lunch with dick van dyke to do cons- uh, consultations on it during pre-production uh to ask him so the atmosphere working on shows like that at the time smart boy show smart boy how did you guys do it like give us a bit of insight from from you know the trenches from someone who was behind and in front of the camera for this project like mm. tell us a bit about it um but it opens with it you know, theme song to WandaVision. You're like, right, so we were correct in our initial instincts back when this was revealed that, like, WandaVision, it sounds like a TV kind of, sounds like a TV show. Like like a cheesy old title. Yeah, because it is. WandaVision exists in the land of whatever the show is. Or does it? Well, exactly. Um, it, it's... It, it's... Those the first two episodes are a really neat, like send up of fifties and like early sixties sitcoms. It's, it's sort of most significantly, the Dick Van Dyke Show and then Bewitched. Yeah, and, um, and I mean the Bewitched title sequence homage that is, two is fabulous. Brilliant. That is it's fabulous. So good. Um, um but then yeah. it's it's almost <laughs> it's almost David Lynchian. Because there's just there's something not quite right. Do you know it? It feels like someone's decided to make a Marvel Cinematic Universe story, but accidentally um, uh, put in the screenplay just some pages from Pleasantville. Yeah, it's just and 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 again, like there's a very there's there's a very Lynchian is the best way to describe it. That whole yeah. this is one thing, but it isn't and you know that it isn't and beneath the surface is something else that no one's talking about completely there completely it's there in yeah. universe ad breaks right which are I mean, also another source theories, of weirdness. theories and i mean so, we're only two episodes in it's basically an hour of television all told not even that yeah uh, uh before uh, uh by the uh, by the start of the pre-credit well by the start start of the credit sequence on each episode the end titles which is full length mcu style like yeah. a beautiful graphic well it's because they also sequence they also do it in all the languages as well so that's why the credits yeah. are like five minutes long but but even with that like it's, it's sort of a nice gorgeous like minute and a half two minute thing that at first i was like are they gonna do that at the end of every, every episode that could get quite old but then i realized hang on after episode two oh i know i now know what that is so it's going to be one of those, like, every yeah. week you're like, oh, yeah. 
oh and that's what so from the start we've been shown what's coming up without being shown what's coming up mm-hmm. and it's retroactively the credits make more sense but once those credits started it was only about 23 minutes so it's not even an hour of, of, of content so like, far. yeah uh, it's an american hour it's an american hour of content not even that because an american hour there is like five a... minutes yeah that's true Oh, no, I mean, but the two episodes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. then again, it has ads, but it doesn't. But we'll get into those. So it's it's just two episodes of a sitcom. Both seem to be, it's almost like the same show has been remade a decade later. Um, yeah. Or, or Vision and Wanda, like... who are an android and a witch. And they, they like basically go like, she's a witch. It's like, ah, are we going to get the name Scarlet Witch finally at some point? I hope so. Um, like... A robot and a witch who are a married couple who've moved from the big city, maybe. They think it's a big city. Actually, where did they get married? I've moved into their new home and they've got a nosy neighbor and uh, and they're trying to live a normal life and sitcom shenanigans ensue. It's par for the course for 60s, 70s, uh, 50s, 60s and early 70s American sitcoms with a fan- fantasy bent to them. Mm. Um, before we even get into like the feck is going on, these just worked as actual episodes of a sitcom. Yeah. There are some, I mean, there, there are some, there's obviously some riffs off of tropes of old sitcoms and, and taking the piss out of them a little, but definitely through, through affection. Like they're not like, oh, they weren't these shit. Yeah, like, it's, it's a send Look at these weird a, charms and this is aged a, a bit on it. And yeah, it's a, it's certainly a loving one, loving one. Yeah. And but also it's, it's a good sitcom. The, the two, sitcom episodes we've watched so far work they work yeah. well i found myself like pissing myself laughing several times in both episodes. Yeah, it's, it's funny and that in itself is adding to the creep factor because yes vision vision doesn't behave like this we've never seen wonder this footloose and fancy free what the fuck is happening there's a, there's um, only really <laughs> One moment in the entirety of the two episodes where Wanda actually briefly acts like Wanda. Yeah, you sort of get you sort of get a, a glimpse of it in episode one. Yeah. At the dining table. Yeah. But then the end of episode two, which which said right, let's let's just get, if you're listening to this, you've probably watched it. But if you haven't watched it, go watch them. They're on Disney Plus. The next episode's coming out um next Monday. Uh, sorry, this Friday. Go give them a watch, see. Go give them a look at. They are fantastic. But they are fantastic. We're going to break down just things we like, because I think that's the best way to dissect it at this point. Yeah. So, sitcom plot of episode one. They've got a date on the calendar, and they can't quite remember what it's for. There's a heart on the calendar, so they're both sort of sitcom style, assuming that they've there's an anniversary, or it was going to be a date night, and neither of them could quite remember, and oh, no, shenanigans. So, Vision goes to work for his... um. Well, his his numbers business. Yeah, it, it, a job. A, a, again, one of the things. One of the things that's slightly off is he works at a job where no one can quite tell him what they do, and it's played for laughs. It's played completely for like I don't know. And it's like yeah, I don't know, just crunch the numbers. But your brain starts going. Hang on, is this a function of whatever's going on? Like, is it yeah. powering something or being used to find an answer to something? But everyone calls him Vision, which I think is wonderful. The whole we're trying to stay undercover, but everyone calls him Vision. Yeah, no one, no one questions it. <laughs> He's just Vision, um, which again is perplexing because let's. <laughs> Where did we last see these characters? Well, we last saw Wanda, 
um, in Endgame by Avengers Endgame by the lake at Tony Stark's funeral, um, having a word with Clint as they both basically mourn Natasha and Vision. And the last we saw of Vision was dude's head getting ripped open by Thanos to get the Mind Stone in Infinity War. Vision's dead, Matt. Yes. Although, What's he doing in this sitcom? Although, apparently, oh, but... they had they planned but did not film an Avengers Endgame post-credits tag revealing Vision was somehow still alive. I'm glad they didn't. Setting up and WandaVision. I also kind of hope that Vision is not alive. And I'll get into that. Yeah. Um, but, so Viz works this job and... <laughs> Vis-a-vis the last times we saw them. Oh, my wife and her flying saucers, he says to the mm. flying plates around the kitchen. Of course, we last saw her like ripping spaceships out of the sky yeah. in Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Um, and she went, my husband and his indestructible head, because he walks through a plate. Do you think maybe that's wishful thinking or projection? Possibly. Considering the last time we saw could, him, Thanos could, ripped his head to pieces. Could we just say that, that everyone involved is clearly having the best time they are doing this sitcom stuff? In. Um, right, so so the side character, uh, Catherine Hahn as the neighbour, is a delight. I mean, Catherine Hahn is always brilliant in everything she's in. And she absolutely um, nails the nosy sitcom neighbour. Oh, and, so good. And the, the, the never-seen spouse trope. Yes. As well. Like, she keeps talking about her husband, but we've not seen him two episodes in. I don't um, know if he's got... I don't know if he's been... I'm gonna. I'm, I'm looking through the IMDb credits I here. I don't think she's got one. I also think she's not just an element of whatever this is. I think she's part of whatever this is. Um, How do you keep an eye on them if not from next door? Well, I suppose. But, uh... She also had my favorite line. The whole uh, yeah, uh, the mother-in-law, the mother-in-law was in town, so I wasn't. And it's like, <laughs> that's a, that is a great old-school tropey sitcom line, but beautifully delivered and very tightly written. Uh, both episodes featured a laugh track, as well. Yes, which which was goofy as all hell and bizarre. Um. But fit the tone. Uh, their boss, Mr. Hart, who turns out to be the reason for the heart on the calendar because their boss is coming to dinner. It's a typical sitcom mishap. Like, Mr. Yeah. Hart's coming to dinner, but Wanda's assumed maybe it's their anniversary and the neighbours try to help her out. and You know, and then, of course, she, he, her vision comes home and Wanda's in a, like, sort of sexy, feathery dressing gown and she's going to have a romantic <laughs> dinner and they have to turn it around really quickly into, like, no, dinner with the with the boss and... Vision has his human face on whenever he's dealing with people outside of the house, but he has yeah. his robot face when he's at home. And it's in black and white and 4-3. And the co-workers all show up in different roles in the next one as well. Like, I so think the, the two of the guys in the office were two of the guys on the Neighbourhood Watch team in the second one. I think they're all supposed to be the same characters. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like the neighbour is, but all the other elements are different when you get into the next one, because they've just moved into town according to the title sequence of of WandaVision of course, the second. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, huh, it's almost like everything's resetting to find the perfect fit. It's like things aren't quite right yet. Things aren't quite ideal. Mm. Um, Let's just talk, let's talk our main theories about what the hell's happening because then that could lead into all the little Easter eggs and why we think things. Um, I think 
based on the little vision, the little glimpse, rather, at the end of episode one of what appears to be a female hand monitoring the screen, uh, a research facility at the end. Because the the, the first one ends, titles, a gay old time, pulls out to reveal the program being watched on a monitor in a full colour 69 shot in 2019 (laughs) facility. Um, And then we, we, in episode two, a radio breaks through and someone has gone like, Wanda, 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 what are they doing to you? Wanda, Wanda. And you're like, okay, someone's trying to get through to talk to her. Which which results, of course, in the in the again wonderfully lynching creepy moment of Emma Caulfield. Emma hey! Caulfield um, and Yanka herself. Her, the moment she came on, Lucy, I was just like, yep. <laughs> just like looking at you, I just realised and translate to audio, um, which looks well, because like, oh, it, it was suddenly everywhere. Like the week before it came out, that Emma Caulfield was in it that they hadn't really said before. Yeah, like I was like, like, I'm sorry to announce it this late. Did you skip um, on one of the absolute? favorites from Buffy the Vampire Sleeping yeah. in, in this show. How um, dare you all? She's great. And she plays that sort of steely cold bitchy head of the head of the 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 the, the socialite wives of that era like in the neighborhood. She plays it so well but that that lynchy yeah. moment of her cracking the glass. And the and, and her the, bleeding from her hand and the blood is red. Yeah. In and, black and well, white. Um <sighs> Because we've had, have had some glimpses of, of colour. In the first episode at the end of the advert for the toaster by Stark Industries. Is the right. red blinking light. The red blinking light hearkening back to the bomb that Wanda and Pietro were watching tick away, waiting for it Ooh. to go off when they were trapped in their apartment in Sokovia. Okay. As, as, uh, oh, are they from Sokovia originally? Yeah. Yes, they are. Trapped in their apartment in Sokovia as children. Because um, that, that, here's the thing. I think whatever's happening, I think Wanda is inducing it, but I don't think she, I don't think, I think it's against her will. I think someone has done something to Wanda where her powers are constructing or trying to construct an ideal, like the life she's wanting. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's and definitely the re- a... And the reason it started out archetypally 50s sitcom tropey and then 60s and it's moving on is because she's not quite found what she wants. Yeah. But she's she's hearkening to stuff she's seen, maybe stuff she watched on TV growing up. Like, you know, so she's working her way through it. Because in episode one, they're happily married and they live together and isn't this great? But they don't wear rings. Oh yeah, that's right. Hang on. Okay, we need to change that. And she makes them wear rings because now she's like reality shaping, conjuring bloody objects. And everything. Yeah. But then episode two, it's the same, except they've definitely been married. They've been married longer. They've been there a little longer now. They're settled in, but they're worried about everyone else's opinions of them. Mm. So it, it's like, oh no, we're sort of in that era where everyone's a bit nosy and we're having to impress the people. We don't want And they're that. in separate beds. And they're in separate beds, which they then bring together. Yeah. <laughs> the kinky sods. And then by the end of it, there's this constant theme. It's mentioned once in episode one, and then it's it's a plot point in episode two of things being, quote-unquote, for the children. Yeah, there's some creepy sort of culty moments in episode two. Yeah. With, and the, uh, which, with the whole fun, the fundraising talent show for the children, and which, ends, who we never and, see. Yeah, and then it ends <laughs> in them getting home, and she's now suddenly just like five months, six months pregnant. Yeah. And then that gorgeous sequence where colour bled into everything and the whole thing moved into colour ahead of next week's presumably 70s set and you and you realise that their costumes are in their colour schemes yeah 
Yes, like the subtle greens and stuff in his suit and everything, and 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 like she's been wearing red the whole time, and it's like okay. But this is after we've had those few splashes of color, like yeah. the blood on Dottie's hand and a remote control helicopter, helicopter in Iron Man colors, in Iron Man colors that just crashes into the hedge. Yeah, that Agnes doesn't seem to acknowledge the Stark toaster in episode one with the blinking light like the explosive that they were waiting to go off episode two we're advertised a timepiece a posh watch a strucker yeah. uh, with a hydra emblem in the display yeah um so baron von strucker the member of hydra that experimented on on them using the mind stone then loki's staff created the miracles out of pietro and wanda so it's it's I think I think real life is catching up to her. I think that's what the helicopter yeah. is. It's Iron Man. Something outside is going, come back. Like it's just these reminders in the world of of where she's from. And that Sokovia becoming a thing they use as a distraction in episode one. Just sort of comes out of nowhere and then it gets mentioned a few times. So there's just this, it's this whole thing of like references to what we know these characters have been through are peeking in and they seem to be sort of chronological in terms of her life yeah. so far. So I think something outside knows she's in danger and is trying to get her out. Hence the whole, like, what are they trying well, to do to you? Um, we know some of the other cast members in the show include characters who've been good guys. Like, yeah. in the, you know, they've been, you know, we've got Kat Dennings is Darcy. Uh, we've got the fella from Ant-Man and the Wasp on the way. We have another version. Yeah, Jimmy Woo. Uh, Jimmy Woo. We have another version of... Um, Oh my god, what's her name? What's her name? Who? Monica Rambo. Oh yes, Monica Rambo is in this. She's so that her yeah. she's been in it. Yes. But not as Monica Rambo. Yeah. Um so we we there's gonna be something something is keeping her there. Mm. Or, or something, or rather something has put Wanda in this situation. But Wanda's the one keeping herself there. Because she's looking for what she lost, which is the future with Vision that the two of them were clearly, like, forming with each other. Like, this android who is made... Like, both of them are made in terms of, like, you know, part of their their soul, their being, whatever, are made from the same thing. The Mind Stone is a part of both of them. It gave them both him life and her her powers. Yeah. They're connected. This why I've never. It's why I never felt like the the romance between them was just like wait what in the films because I was sort of like no there's something sort of inherited here like mm. they really are the only two people who could who share that and and they're bonding over that connection even if they're not talking about it mm. they clearly have a kind of a magnetism toward one another they want to be around each other and they want to spend time with each other and then between Civil War and Infinity War it's like yep. Like, he's able to disguise himself as a human, and they are on a romantic retreat in hiding. Like, yeah, they're developing a romance. Oh, shit. That got taken away from her. She told us in Endgame, you took everything from me, she says to Thanos before she, just to remind everyone, nearly fucking kills him, because she's a badass motherfucker. Um, who, are the most, who are the three most powerful Avengers? The ones who stood up to Thanos. Who are they? Thor, Captain Marvel, and Scarlet Witch. Recognise. Anyway, point <laughs> is... Hulk, Hulk, Hulk's sort of in the corner. He can help out. But anyway... Um, yeah. You know, like these are the three who could actually 
hold their own in a fight against him. Yeah. So, um, th- I think she's. I think she's being held somewhere against her will, but she's staying there because she wants to stay there, and she's the reason things are changing. She's trying to find her happy spot. She's trying to find a wo- that the world where it's what she wants it to be. Yeah. Because she's clearly aware that something is interfering. When Mr. Hart starts choking in the first episode, she's she just sort of lets it happen at first. And then there's that really horrible, uncomfortable moment where, like, Vision, help him. And like, all the laughs just die down for like a minute. And it's just a sequence of a man nearly choking on food to death. And then Vision pulls the thing out, like pulls the food out with his phasing power. And no one questions it. They just move on. Mm. It's like, huh. And then that bit at the end of episode two, which I don't know about you, but I and the fucking internet felt it based on what I was looking at on Twitter that night. What's just been called the no moment. (laughs) But they just, at the end of the second episode, sort of just before everything changes properly, they step out of the house because the episode sort of finishes, the story finishes. Yeah. And then they're like, the hell's that? And they leave the house and the sewer grid opens up in the middle of the street and a beekeeper steps out. Yep. Surrounded by bees. Shrouded in Covered in, in bees, one might covered say. Covered in bees. <laughs> I shit you not. If this is not the MCU's version of Swarm, then I'll be fine. But if it is, great. They went there. Um... <laughs> And she just stares him <laughs> down because they're like, like Vision's like, what, what's happening? Like, do we, you know, do we call someone? What is this? And she just stares him down. She just goes, no. And then everything resets to two minutes ago. Yep. And they don't, and they don't hear the noise. Like the noise isn't there anymore. And we get the lovely, oh, look at this. Everything's in color. And isn't this spectacular and magical? And you're like, right. She's aware that someone's trying to change what's happening. So this world is happening. As far as I can tell, this world's happening because she wants it to. She knows someone's interfering. She probably knows she shouldn't be in there. What that person or, or peoples are yet? Don't know. But they obviously want something from her. And maybe that involves bringing Vision back to life in some way. Or at least in her head. So we can crunch some numbers on something. Like it's well, possible that Vision is being kept alive in whatever the simulation is. Because I think he's dead. I think he's dead. Vision's dead. Mm. but that little spark of of him like you know that 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 whatever whatever could be count for a soul yeah is with her because they share the same core the same power the same thingy so well i think i think someone's keeping her her fantasy sustained or letting her continue her fantasy so that they can have access to vision's mind seems like some based on some of the imagery like sword might be involved. There's a sword, but now explain to the listener what sword be, because I thought sword were like intergalactic shield. Sword, if I can recall, is an acronym for Sentient World Observation and Response Department. Right. <clears throat> so another stupid acronym. <laughs> yeah, but it's alien. Sh- it's shield, but for extraterrestrial threats. Right. Now that. Could make sense because these guys got their power from the, an Infinity Gem. The Infinity Gems fucked up the world not too long ago. Mm. So maybe someone's got hold of them and they're being, or got hold of Wanda at least and is experimenting on her. Like, who knows? But yeah, I spotted the swords too. 
It didn't cross my mind that it'd be sword, though. Mm, okay. That's the first thing that did cross my mind. And, mm. uh, yeah, interesting. I, I like it, this a lot. I, did you I, spot any of the little Easter eggs? Right, I can't remember what she's called, but do you uh, remember how comics are weird, guys? You're just going to have to accept that. Do you remember how Pietro and Wanda were raised by that mutant who is like a half woman, half cow? What? I can't remember her name now. What? So when what when the fuck are I'm, you talking I'm, about? I'm boy? gonna pull it up now. So when um when when Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were kids, yeah, they were raised. I'm gonna have to pull up her bio and see if I can find her. Uh, they were raised by uh, a cow mutant, what? a mutant cow. What? True story. <laughs> I don't believe you. Right, I'm gonna pull up their name now. I'm gonna do it. I don't really do it. Wonder Maximoff Earth 616. Uh, uh, dead, no, dead, dead. Bova. As adolescent. Yep. Yep. Cut. You found her? Sure. Yep. Sure. Why not? <laughs> She's an uplifted Guernsey, cat, Guernsey cow. Yep. Bova. What? In the opening title sequence for the second episode the bewitched one the milk ad at the back of the store had bova's face on it sure specifically like bova sure there's a bit where vision phases through the floor uh in that title sequence we see him like phase from upstairs to downstairs during that really charming where he's like you know phasing through the shower getting ready or phasing into his suit and all these things grim reaper's helmet is in the floorboards Oh. Yeah. Um Grim Reaper being the he's someone's brother, isn't he? He's the he's Wonder Man's brother. Wonder Man's brother. The behind the scenes featurette uh for the show shows one of the show's uh creators and stuff, you know, one of the people the the cast and, and uh, the crew team, sorry, mm. being talked to and concept arts on the back wall, including not concept art but just a poster of out you know, blurred but very distinct. Wonder Man. So, uh, maybe they're just filling it with lots of just little nods to like the history of Wonder and 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 Vision, because obviously they were both in the Avengers with Wonder Man, and you know maybe they're just putting these tiny little, tiny little nods and references in there for the shits and giggles. But it's like that's some very specific shits and giggles you're sneaking in there. Guys. Yeah, that's some very yeah. specific shits and giggles. Um. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean that's all we can do. Like it, we'd we'd <laughs> we're two episodes into I think it's a nine episode run. Eight and um, nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> yeah, like we we've barely scratched the surface. Like we what, you... we have no idea what this is going to become. Did you see the audience disconnect online? Um, it wasn't a lot of the audience, but there was a, a, a fair portion that were like, I just, I don't get it. I've, I, it's lost me. A little bit, but I think, one, you're at the beginning of a story. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, if this was a film, you'd still be in the first 10, 15 minutes. And, and episode two very clearly ends with a, something is going on. Like, I mean, episode yeah. one even does with the reveal of the monitor and someone watching the monitor. It's like, Right, what is this? Which What's I think happening? is why they dropped the first two episodes together. 
Because just the first episode, I don't think a lot of people would get the sense, would quite get the sense of what's going on. I think part of it, because it seems to be mostly from a younger demographic that were rejecting it. I think part of it is because they don't have a frame of reference for the content that's being Possibly. homaged. Um, Possibly. Because it's a they, very dated style of comedy. Because we, we grew up in an era where TV from the 60s and 70s principally was on repeat a lot yeah. on, on TV. Like, yeah. you know... You, on your BBC One, you'd have all this, that, and the other, but BBC Two would be full of stuff from the 70s, the 80s. You'd be full of all the sitcoms, films, documentaries. And for people in the States, a lot of those shows were on syndication. So, yeah. like, they yeah, just so saw like, that stuff constantly. It's going to be present in their lives. Um, but also, there's that... We were talking about this um, the other day on, 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 my, uh, on my Twitch uh, Discord about the fact that I've known people who I did film studies with at uni who rejected black and white media. It, it was like they just had a revulsion to it. They were like, no, nope, oh, I can't watch if it's black and white. It's like, Why? And it's usually either a case of snobbery or it's just too unlike what they they prefer and it's really off-putting. The same way that someone who's maybe never watched like a Bollywood movie might watch attempt to watch one for the first time and go, oh, I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's too, it's too much. It's a culture shock. It's just a very different presentation yeah. style. And, 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 you know, like, dudes, go watch, go watch some Bollywood cinema, go watch some Hollywood and Tamil, like, seriously, go watch it. It's, there's some insanely brilliant shit out there. There's always loads of it on, um, Netflix as well. The action flicks are insane. Yeah. They're so much fun because they just like, they throw everything in there and embrace it. It's like if every action movie, like, we all, we all go, oh, the Fast and the Furious film's great because they're just like... They just go really? Why? That's a bit much, isn't it? A lot of Bollywood action flicks. That's like the default setting, mm. and and it's completely knowing as well. It's not like they've gone and going like we don't realize this looks goofy. It's like no, we know it looks goofy because it's a big action set piece with like cars flipping over and dudes like back flipping out of a car into a moving speedboat. Like we know this is ridiculous. We're here to have fun. <laughs> You're like yeah. Anyway, but like I, I think it's it's a, I think it's a culture shock thing for people of a certain age and generation. They just like see the black and white, the four three, and they go, "Wait, hang on, why is my TV black on the sides? Yeah, why are these big giant black bars either side of the picture? What's going on?" It's like, just buckle in, enjoy it, folks. Let's see where this crazy train goes because it's definitely going to go somewhere. Yeah, um, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, I think like the Mandalorian, we're probably going to dip back in once a week and just sort of offer some thoughts on yeah, probably. episodes probably. so i think we've got like well, i think it's nine episodes so i think we've got another seven weeks of this so if you're interested in our thoughts on one division uh make sure you're watching alongside us over on disney plus uh not sponsored but if they'd like to i mean yeah please um <laughs> and uh if you're not fussed about it then sorry for the next several weeks we're going to be talking about yeah WandaVision sorry about episode. that that's uh that's happening now this second in time okay sees us both having not only watched the first MCU piece of content to be released since 2019. Yeah. But also, first bit of DCEU, not official title, content released since early 2020. The Snyder Cut, no. Um, uh, oh, by the way, that, that just confirmation came through that the Snyder Cut is not a four-hour miniseries. What? It's a four-hour film. Oh, piss off. <laughs> Wait, who said that, though? Snyder? Zack Snyder. Despite the fact that it's being distributed as either you can watch it as one cut 
or four separate parts. Uh, I I think it was in a Q and A. He like commented, "It's like you know, it's a four hour film." He's being he's such a pisshead, and he's he wants it. A, he wants he's it to get such an egotistical, fragile pisshead, it's and he ridiculous. wants he wants it to get a theatrical release in territories that don't have HBO Max. Great, Zach. Bring people into the cinema while people are dying. It's never going to happen. Like, there's no cinema in their right fucking mind is going to show a four-hour film. I think I hate him. I think I hate him. I don't know. I don't know him personally, but just the vibes he's given off this last year since this project's been happening. Just so, like... What, you got a problem, bro? It's like, Jesus, Zach. Fucking calm down. I don't know him and I don't care to. <laughs> Zack Snyder produced um, a movie we both watched. Yeah. Um, Did he? Did he produce this one? Yep. Zack and, uh, and Deborah joint. End of the credits. Atlas Films. Mm. Um, it's one of his boys. Bum, 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 bum. Wonder Woman. I'm not a matter of all. Uh, oh, yeah. Woo were 8 4. Gives a, gives a summary, Matt. What the, what the fuck was Wonder Woman 1984? It's Wonder Woman in 1984. And she's being a art curator person thing. And then <laughs> she meets a, a, she meets a, a, a new hire who's shy and retiring and, and sort of bumbling. And they, they find a, there's a stone a magic stone and a greasy business, a greasy businessman gets his hands on the stone <laughs> and the stone grants wishes. And, but no one knows it grants wishes, but people keep wishing on it anyway. And Steve Trevor somehow comes back because Diana made a wish, but then people's wishes are going out of control and things are getting weird. And, Oh no, is Diana losing her powers? And Oh God, why is, why is her new friend Barbara so strong all of a sudden? And why is this, why is this Donald Trump XP uh, all of a sudden getting very sweaty and bleeding from various orifices and desperate to get wishes? Um, I didn't. One woman eighty four is fine. I had a pretty good time with it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a bit of a. It's a bit. <laughs> It's a bit messy, which a is bit, weird. Which is weird bit. considering how long it's ended up in post production. Um, it does feel, and for such a long film, it it does feel long. It does. It does yeah. feel its length. Um, and for such a long film, it feels like they've taken some narrative shortcuts that don't quite make sense. But I enjoyed a lot of the action set pieces. I enjoyed Kristen Wiig. I enjoyed um, Gal Gadot and uh, Chris Pine's chemistry, bouncing off each other. Uh, And I also enjoyed very much Pedro Pascal's Maxwell Lord, but I don't know if I enjoyed it quite as much as, as he did because I don't think anyone is capable of feeling as much joy as Pedro Pascal seemed to be feeling whilst playing that. he We talked about people in WandaVision having a whale of a time. Mm. I, he is clearly enjoying himself so much. Um, easily the standout performance of the film. Um, 
but yeah, it, like it does. I'm not in love with it. I I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first one. Um, it's not like I have. Like it just felt a bit flat in places and a bit. Oh, this thing's happening now, and this thing's, and we're over here now, and this thing. It's a bit like Aquaman was it was, like sort of like three different movies jammed into one, but they were all quite simple movies, so it it kind of worked. Whereas this is like three movies jammed into one, but they're all different films, and they don't quite mesh. So that there's there's good bits here and there. And for the most part, I had a whale of a time, but it is too long and yet is not fleshed out enough at the same time. That's that's mm-hmm. what I'd say about Wonder Woman 84. There's some good stuff here, but I'm not necessarily sure it's worth 16 quid to rent it. Like, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's that good. If you're on the fence. I thought it was really boring. I can and see I, how I can... I, I did feel long. I can see how yeah. you would... Go with and that, I, and I really didn't. I really didn't want to be bored. I, full disclosure, um, I think we both love the first one. Yeah, like first one's I really think good. The first one's astounding. Yeah. It's it gets, brilliant. It, it gets a it bit. Sh- it it shits the bit, bed uh, in the third act. It shits I don't the bed know if it shits act. the bed as much as it just uh, maybe turtle heads. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, prairie dogs. Yeah, um, it, it prairie dogs a little bit in the third act. There we yeah. go. But, um, but ultimately, it's it's this brilliant story of innocence and hope and trying to strive for or look for the best in humanity through the eyes of this incredibly powerful but very warm and, um, you know, excited lead character yeah. who is, like, seeing man's world for the first time like she could she could wage she could declare war on planet earth and have like world leaders on their knees like terrified of what she's capable of yeah but that thought would never cross her mind in a million years because she cherishes all life and is fascinated by culture and it's it's a very what Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot did for each other in the first Wonder Woman uh as as um director and star respectively is is uh create this brilliant take on the character who is so evocative of chris reeve's take on superman yeah and 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 the work that chris evans has done as captain america where they've gone no the reason why these characters are beloved is because at their core they are sincere and they are good people and which that, I, that can work like I no matter how they, much we keep trying to pommel our heroes into being broody and sexy and realistic yeah. and gritty sometimes that inherent goodness really is worth fighting for in an adaptation and and chris reeve in particular and and chris evans i think are the two previous cinematic examples of, of taking yeah. it and going no we're not going to water this down like this is what this is and they do a phenomenal job i think after I think I think, Woman trying oh, no, evoke, I think they're trying to evoke that same thing here. Yeah, but, but it, I, I, as you say, it gets watered down by all the plot that's going on. But, but isn't also, I think we missed someone also. out. We missed someone out this whole time. It wasn't just Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. Turns out it was Patty Jenkins, Gal Gadot, and Alan Heinberg, the screenwriter of the first movie. 
whose yeah, fingerprints are not on this one Who? at all. This one was a three-way script by Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, and David Callahan. Um, Jeff Johns, who is not in uh, Ray Fisher's good books, at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Jeff, indeed, maybe uh, Jeff Johns is a prick. Maybe Jeff Johns is the worst. Maybe Jeff Johns is one of the worst. But here's the thing. So, so in terms of... In terms of uh, in terms of pedigree, like in terms of writing and experience on this, is is an interesting one. So Alan Heinberg wrote the screenplay for the first Wonder Woman, right? Yeah. Um, he was mostly a TV writer and producer, so worked on things like Party of Five, uh, Sex and the City, Gilmore yeah, Girls, yeah. The OC. Uh, his cinematic contributions at that point were the films Blue Like Jazz, but he only got a special thanks, so it's possible yeah. he just tidied up on that one. His only screenplay and story credit is Wonder Woman. Uh, but the story of which correct me if was, I'm wrong, but the story also... of which was 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 co-wrote with Zack Snyder and uh, Jason Fuchs, who at that point had written Ice Age, Continental Drift, and Pan. So Oof. you know, like yeah. So so let's face it. Out of those three, Heinberg's probably the one who delivered what we wanted, right? Well, he, Heinberg he, he's... made it work because he also got on exactly yeah, the same. He's also it. written comics. He co-create most of the Young Avengers. Yeah, he, he co-created the Young Avengers. He's written. He wrote some JLA with with Jeff Johns. Yeah, and and he wrote four issues of Wonder Woman. Like do he, cre- his do created Kate Bishop's Hawkeye. Yeah. He created Wiccan, uh, Hulkling, and probably would have written a lot more comics, but had such a busy TV career that he couldn't really fit it in. Yeah, so this is a guy who, out of the three people who worked on the story, and is the sole screenwriter for yeah. the first Wonder Woman film. A dude who comes from TV production and writing uh, on dramas that, you know, not my cup of tea, Sex and the City, the OC and stuff, but they ran for a long time for good reason. Like, people connected with these stories and these characters. Um, and was a comic book writer. And now that I've read that, I'm like, yeah. I can see that in Wonder Woman. This is someone who gets Diana and how she can be interesting in the real world we're in, and especially in the harsh reality of World War One, the setting of that film. That's something I thought was really unusual. That mo- in that movie, that movie felt like a more hopeful film by the end of it to me. Yeah. Than this yeah. one. Um, but anyway, so Wonder Woman 1984 is written by Patty Jenkins, the director, Jeff mm. Johns, the um, uh, racism uh, har- harbinger, uh, and also uh, DC Comics writer and uh, original producer and stuff. Which, to be fair, it could be the same thing for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, not true, but I can't help but bring it up because let's not let's not hold him on a pedestal here. Um, and uh, David Callahan, who's who's got a lot of screenwriting credits. Are you ready to hear the films he's written? Oh, hit me! Two thousand and five's Doom. Oof. The film mostly remembered because of that really cool visual bit near the end that looked like Doom the game, and that's it. They get the um, film most remembered because, for some bizarre reason, Rosamund Pike isn't wearing a bra for the whole thing. Oh, God. Horseman, Telltale, The Expendables trilogy. Oh, wow. 2014's Godzilla. So, I like you know, that. You like it, but come on. It's not a great script, is it? I mean... You write a Godzilla film and miss out that much Godzilla. I think it's a better in a way script. in in a way that in a way that the main takeaway from all audiences was 
Godzilla was barely in that. I think I think it's a better script than King of the Monsters, but I think King I of think, the Monsters is a way more fun movie. I think you're high. Um, ah, King <laughs> of the Monsters is fucking great. Oh and having rewatched God. it when it went on Now TV, it, it wasn't just because I enjoyed it in the cinema. King of the Monsters is fucking great. It you is so high. much fun. You are high. I'm not saying um, it's... I'm so, all right. I know I said it was fucking great, but I don't actually mean it's good. It's not good. It's fucking great. Oh, God. Because it's excited, so much excited, fun. Still, still excited for Godzilla v. Kong, right? I'm very excited for Godzilla, Godzilla v. Kong. Because um, King of the Monsters was fucking great. He did an uncredited production rewrite. This usually means rewrites on the fly during filming days uh, for Ant-Man. So probably came in, tidied it up to add some gags or whatever. Okay. Uh, he wrote Zombieland Double Tap. Well, yeah, that's not... Mm. Wonder Woman 1984. Mm. The upcoming Mortal Kombat. And here's the thing that makes me sad. The upcoming Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And oh. the Spider-Verse sequel. Oh! Well, I mean, looking at Do those... Do not want... Yeah. I mean, he. I mean, he co-created. Sorry, he created and occasionally wrote episodes of Jean Claude Van Johnson, which I only saw the pilot for, but was the pilot was really good. So, dude, dude has got, you know, he's he's got a track record, but that is way more eh and miss than hit overall. Yeah, yeah. Uh so I'd imagine he was the sole. He was he was the more driving screenwriter on this, or at least possibly delivered draft one, and then Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns did what they did to it, changed it, moved it around and stuff. Um, this story is all over the place. It is all yeah. over the shop. Uh, so the central premise... Spoilers, Literally. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers for Wonder Woman 1984. Um, so uh, Kristen Wiig plays uh, Aldrich's Killian. No, sorry. Kristen Wiig plays Edward Nygma. No, sorry. Uh, Kristen Wiig plays Selena Kyle. Wait, no, hang on. Kristen Wiig plays Max Dillon. No, hang on. Wait, no, wait. wait, wait. I'm, get- wait. I'm getting all of my act one supervillains wear glasses, have chips in their teeth, and act like total dorks mixed up. Oh, yeah. Kristen Wiig plays Barbara Minerva. I do like um, her in this, though. She is great, but that wardrobe is just like, it's so lazy at this point this is the fifth supervillain in a mainstream comic book movie yeah. to have the exact same design before their trajectory into the villain it's like especially when you have three iterations of cheetah to pick from to just do something we've already like this is the first time cheetah wonder woman's joker has been seen in a film yeah in a live action movie and they decide to make her stand out by doing what we've seen four times before in other supervillain roles. Like, two of which in DC films. I'm just yeah. like, why would you... Now, that's not to say she she's absolutely... If you were to put Guy Pearce and Jim Carrey and Michelle Pfeiffer and Jamie Foxx uh, in front of us now and say, right, which one of these guys did it the least cringeworthy... You'd sweep them all out of the room and you'd bring Kristen Wiig in and include, go, Kristen Wiig was better. She do was you want to include better. Halle Berry's Catwoman in that as well? <laughs> yes, yes, because that is derivative of Pfeiffer's. So yeah. absolutely, yes, yes, yes. So, yes. Patience, Patience Phillips, if that Patience was her name. Phillips. Does not escape. Patience, something that movie does not engender. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. She's going to have a shot of milk, Matt. 
Uh, um, well, that's something that both those that both those characters have something in common. The Catwoman, Catwoman, and Cheetah in this movie have something in common. Both of them get their powers from a magic uh, curse slash inheritance that is vaguely defined. Extremely because... vaguely defined, and yet the plot revolves around it and the mechanics of it. Yeah, and here's the thing. I've seen people complain about the magic rock. I have no problem with our main plot revolving around people taking advantage of a wish-granting rock. It's Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's fantasy. I am all for it. The last DC movie... uh, Well, okay. The second to last DC movie that I really dug was about a child who says a magic word and turns into a superhero. Yeah. I am totally fine with magic rock. What I'm not fine with is three screenwriters not understanding how the fuck a monkey's paw works. <laughs> And constantly saying, it's like a monkey's paw. It's like the monkey's paw, but does so the, it work like a monkey's paw? So yeah, so film begins with young Diana going through this really well shot, well edited, brilliant, like Olympic style event on Themyscira. Hell of an opening sequence. But it's, apart a, it's from... a phenomenal opening sequence. And it's mostly just an excuse to get um, Robin Wright and uh, Connie Nielsen, Nielsen yeah. back for, for a cameo each. And also bring back the actor who played young diana like yes i did well, i did wonder diana. when i was watching it is it yeah. the same is the same actor uh she does a great job and it's a, it's a phenomenal sequence it's really really cool and as soon as it ended i was like right we're not going back here we're not gonna this will be the flashback in Themyscira. yeah so this is gonna be you, when you've watched enough films and you can pick up on the tropes i'm like this is gonna be the lesson that comes back later to help her save the day and the lesson in that is she she skips, she shortcuts on the race. Like mm-hmm. she finishes first, but having cocked up halfway through so she doesn't hit one of her markers. And um, uh, Ant- Ant- Antiope knows that, so stops her from throwing the winning like punt of the javelin at the end. And Diana's like, why? And she's like, because you didn't win uh, truthfully. You didn't win the right way. Like only when you win, only when you play the game the right way like do you deserve to win and that's fine like i'm not saying that you you're you know you're deceitful i'm not saying you're bad i'm just saying you need to learn that before you can earn it so right so the mission of this is be true to yourself that's the correct path that goes away completely (laughs) until the final five minutes when suddenly diana's like maxwell lord think of your own truth you've got to be true and that's how you win. Now, again, not a bad message. Great message. Apparently, the lasso can do that to people now, but whatever. Like, it doesn't just make people tell the truth. It can show them the this, truth. This is a film in which... Diana I have no, literally, I have, she yeah? literally has new powers. Yeah, she turns a plane invisible. Script which demands. works. Which works. I don't mind her turning the jet invisible because it's, it's a Wonder Woman staple, the invisible jet. Like, and she makes a point of being like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a trick of like great power and this, that, the other. And I tried to learn it as a kid, but I'd forgot about it. And I tried it recently. I made a cup disappear. I've still not found it. And it's like, that's quite funny. Like, so she's, she's cool. It's not like a thing she can just do at will. It's something she has to practice. And again, reinforcing that this is a world of magic. Fair enough. Like, fine, let's go for that. But she flies now? No, she's, she, Buzz Lightyear's, she falls with style, but to get momentum 
she grabs onto clouds with the last. When we saw the trailer for this movie, I don't mind it because it's cool as shit. But I get what you thing, mean. When we when we saw the trailer for this movie and we saw her swinging from lightning, I was like, "That is so fucking cool." I wonder how we get to that point. Apparently, it just happens. Okay. The film sets up several ideas, but then does nothing with them, and then delivers payoffs for things it never set up. Yeah. It's really, really odd. So, a black market, cut to the 80s, Diana's in Washington, D.C., great setting. Very different from a lot of yeah. the superhero movies to be set in it in in a, you know a, a American city of like smaller scale, smaller buildings, long roads, long streets, a very distinct architecture, museums, and you know uh, political buildings and everything. Like it, it, it it's a great setting. It and looks really, really good. There's an alternate universe somewhere where while she's talking to Steve alongside the uh, the needle. Um, Sam is doing rounds yeah. <laughs> and Steve Rogers running past him going on your left. Um, it's like, definitely it's... the 80s. Oh, it is the 80s. My it's... God, the hair, the colours. When we first get there, everything is awash in pastel. Mm. And I'm like, cool, you're making a statement. And then 20 minutes in, I realised it was a filter. It was a treatment to the footage. It wasn't lighting. It wasn't set dressing. It wasn't costumes. Like Obviously, those things were there in place. But the whole film had a filter over it. That, yeah, odd. Uh, was was charming for a bit because it was like, oh look, it's kind of got film grain. That's oh, like an eighties flick. Okay, but then it never went away, and it became more obvious and gratuitous as the film went on, and we were suddenly in locations that should have been more imposing or frightening but the skies were turquoise and the, oh boy the gray walls like were locations the gray walls were blue and it's just like okay no i'm i'm not digging this anymore look great in the opening fight in the mall looked fucking great in the mall yeah the super saturated color on the suit on the costume is really nice yeah because she she looked shiny she looked metallic and it looked really really cool um, I like that opening sequence in the mall. It's fun. It's a jewelry store, and these guys have got wind that they've got some black market stuff or stuff that's being detained on behalf of like uh, dealers in the back room, and and these guys come in to rob it uh, in a way that really depressed me because I was like, that can just happen in America. A dude can walk into a jewelry store, reveal the firearm in his hand, and go, nobody do anything. Okay, I'm gonna. It's like, oh god, oh that's a thing that can happen over there. That's so weird. I mean, it can no. happen over here as well. True, but the likelihood of it happening over here is like a hundredth of that based yeah, on the availability yeah. of firearms. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, so they steal this stuff and Wonder Woman stops them and that sequence is glorious. It's so much fun, especially the bit where she shoves that kid out of the way sliding along the floor and she lands in like the belly of a big teddy bear outside the toy store. Yeah, it's And she's fun, giggling her face and off. It's... Yeah, it's so it's... much fun. and. Again, I love kind of heroes. Made me, made me think of Shazam. Heroes made me think of Shazam a bit as well because it was action sequence in a mall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Diana using a tiara, like uh, like the Linda Carter show version, throwing a bloody tiara as a weapon, like uh, literally using it to take out the security cameras and knock stuff over. It's like that's great. It's a shame that they've had to, thanks to Batman v Superman and Justice League, they've had to shackle themselves to the idea that she stays in hiding. But they don't want her to stay yeah. in hiding. So she does stuff, but destroys the cameras. I think Patty Jenkins way. said in interviews, like, she's not really bothered about continuity. She just wanted to do this. 
unfortunately, unfortunately, it seems like she's trying to cover it up. Unfortunately, it seems like she's not really bothered with continuity mm. within the film itself. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Like from so, scene to scene, but um, um, yeah, I, I don't that mind was, that particularly. Amongst the stuff that was stolen, is a magic rock, which we later find out is imbued with or was binded by the power of one of the Greek gods or, or a deity from the days of the of the Amazons and everything. Who is like if the la- the lasso of truth is the embodiment of like you can put powers of these gods into things and that's the embodiment of truth and this thing is the embodiment of um lies and trickery uh specifically taking the form of wishes people wish on this rock and they get their wish but something gets taken in return it's an exchange um we learn how the rock works from the shittest setup of exposition ever random dude at the uh, at the uh, museum just walks up to diana and barbara with no prompt holds the rock and goes i wish i had a coffee <laughs> and then lets go of the rock turns around and this guy's like got a spare coffee do you want it he's like oh there we go there was a way to do that without it feeling like the most shoehorned in thing ever like he ju- he turns around and the first thing he says is randomly touching the rock for no reason i wish i had a coffee i think the implication is he's been listening to the conversation like he's overheard them but then but show that it's... show a little sort of a side moment or I, or, or even have it. him even he's, have him chip it. in no he is, him, he is doing that in the background over. he is doing that in the background i don't know it's not the act it's not the actor it's it's more the delivery of that moment it's the editing it just, it just, yeah and it because felt... that's because he is you could, if you like, he's there. It always, he's milling about. Feel, he's, you know, it didn't feel out of place to me. But it was more the fact that, um, what do you call it? Diana keeps to herself. She makes a big point of like being everywhere, but not really chatting with anybody or getting to know people. She's just there. And Barbara's been there a few days, like a week, and no one's really talked to her. But he just kind of talked to her like they were in a three-way conversation already. It just felt, it felt jarring. But then there's a few moments in this movie where they try to set up something emotionally a character relationship a connection and then just kind of drop it or pretend it already existed because then we have maxwell lord who is a oil magnate kind of his his business is starting up he's trying to basically plunder spots for oil reserves with he's America. a combat yeah he, he's managed to get successful enough that he's got a campaign and in a not so subtle allegory to a certain 80s business tycoon unquote and owner of a brand of things with gold either in the name or made the logo made of it Mm. um he is very much a tv personality pretending to be way richer than he is and it's worked because people are just like yeah oh god that guy he's he's, oh he's loaded he's he's helping us out and he's gonna this and the other um and like you said pascal's having a fucking blast playing maxwell lord uh so they've they've gone for you for your dc comics fans they've sort of gone for the original take on maxwell lord as in like mortal man who's a bit of a shitbag comes across oh no so it's more than new 52 new 52 is where he gets augmented isn't it and he, he's like given an option to suddenly have this power to sway people he, he always had that i think yeah because the earliest the, when he first rocks up he, he basically sort of takes because his his power in the comics either artificially given to him by a device or by um genetic tampering or whatever he's always had like he's sort of like shit purple man he's got the ability to subtly 
manipulate people through just his words. So it's 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 not like mind control, but he can get to that point if he spends enough time um, uh, uh, micromanaging someone. Yeah. Because in his initial big storyline, he eventually gets Superman under his control by just like steadily influencing him like over as a, a as a villain he, he was he was a not he was a non-villain for a long time yeah and then he tried some shit yeah and uh if i remember correctly it's only when they realize that it's too far gone and that maxwell lord has to die to free superman wonder woman when she finds that out uh gives max the option to reverse it himself and when he refuses wonder woman kills him yeah um, because Maxwell Lord was about to use Superman for some sinister, shady shit. On live TV! Yeah. So, and then other iterations have, have done kind of similar things, but he's either been a super-powered person playing a long con, or a con man gifted with a supernatural superpower con- contrivance yeah. that then helps him with his, grif- his grift. Um, in this iteration, he gets hold of a magic wishing rock that he's been researching for for ages. Um... He was the one who was having it held at the jewellery store and then he gets hold of it by flirting with Barbara uh, at the museum to get it back and sneak it off when she's not looking. Um, he knows what it does. It gives, it grants a wish, but in exchange, takes something. It took me a day after watching it to really figure out what every reaction and react, action and reaction was in terms of The Rock. Yeah. Because throughout the movie, characters describe it as a monkey's paw. For those who don't know, the monkey's paw is the same kind of treatment as the queen's nose or um, uh, like, you know, an Australian supernatural kids drama from the 90s. You're yeah. twists. Those kind of shows where a character gets what they want, but in a twist of ironic fate, it kind of folds back in on them in some way. That's sort of the monkey's paw rule generally. Like, you know. I wish to be famous, you say on the monkey's paw, and the finger curls, and that's the first wish. And the next thing you know, the paparazzi are following you everywhere, and you're on the cover of every magazine, and everyone knows who you are, and they're getting selfies with you, and isn't this amazing? Oh, wow, okay, this is kind of cool. And you're on a chat show, and that's when they ask you, like, so what is it you do? And you don't really know what to say, and suddenly you realise, hang on, what am I? And then the paparazzi keep following you, and then they won't leave you alone. And then you have people kidnap a relative and hold them to ransom because you're famous. You can pay to free them, right? And like that's the monkey's paw. It's like you get what you want at a horrid cost that makes you realize what you had was better than this. Like mm. that's the, it makes you appreciate your life before the situation. It's the cursed wish. Um, the magic rock in this film is not a monkey's paw because it, <laughs> Barbara wishes she was more like Diana. She obviously doesn't know Diana's Wonder Woman, so the what The Rock gives her is sort of that confidence and that assuredness with herself, and then starts to give her superpowers. Yep. She starts getting super strong and more agile. And then later in the film, Diana is losing her powers. By monkey's paw logic, that would possibly be the you know, the 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 loophole to Barbara's wish. Barbara's more like Diana, which means Diana starts becoming more like Barbara. That'd be the monkey's paw version of this. Well, no, because and they're not related. 
well, that's the thing. In another story, that'd be how that works. I want to be more like her. So it's like they start to switch places almost. Mm. And then at a pivotal moment, Barbara would be like, oh no, the world needs Wonder Woman and renounces her wish and Diana gets her strength back. That'd be the monkey's paw version. They're not, like you said, they're not related. Which is weird because Barbara becomes superpowered. Like, I want to be more like Diana. So she gets superpowers. What's taken from her is her humanity? Which seemed more like a natural character evolution of this person who's been timid and weak their whole life getting too high on the power that she now has. Yeah. Um, which is then emphasized even further with her next wish, which don't even get me started on how that's possible when the film sets up that everyone gets one. Um, so Diana, without verb vocalizing it, wishes she could have Steve back because this film really hammers home the point that she misses Steve Trevor, Chris Pine's character from the first film who died saving the world. Um, so the downside to that is that Diana starts to lose her powers but surely the downside is that Steve to exist on earth has replaced someone else who's already there yeah like that's and that's the thing they establish that Steve's looking that he woke up in this apartment and it's not his apartment and he looks in the mirror and he and we, the viewer, can see the man who he's seemingly replaced. But Diana can see Steve. And yet they never do anything with that. Not at first, they never though. Have him, they never have him, like, run into a colleague of his or something. No, no, no. Do you but, know what I mean? So Diana, so there's doesn't, no... Diana doesn't recognize him at first. Yeah, yeah. And to, everyone you, is... else, he, 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 to everyone yeah. else, he looks like... And I think that's why they did it. Because they envisioned just... that scene. They thought that'd be kind of cool if this guy just suddenly starts talking to her like Steve. And then she sees Steve. But then they do nothing with that. No. Narratively, to create tension, conflict, comedy of like, you know, someone else hanging out with him. and Apart it... apart from the sort of creepy undertone implication well, of yeah. sexual assault because they're using his body for sex and he can't consent to it. Yeah. Because he's, that's, that's, that's weird. Now, if Steve had just suddenly appeared and that was the back and forth of that, Steve existing means this guy has gone. Then you and you wanted to do the monkey. That's the monkey paw logic. Yeah. She'd wish for Steve to come back. So Steve's back. But for Steve to be back, someone else has to go. So Steve's just suddenly in this place and he's off with Diana. And then you learn later that this guy is a dad. And or it would be dad someone... has gone over like their dad has gone missing yeah. because because he's not physically there anymore he's gone like or, or it would now. be someone close to Diana but yeah yes. no one's and, no one's bothered it... to establish or or, or even just it... where it's where it's taking someone from someone else because this guy as it turns out is like single ready to mingle doesn't know anyone isn't related to anyone doesn't, doesn't no, live with anyone has no relatives or friends well, no, but do you know what i mean they don't establish that so it's no. not even like you can do that thing of diana's having to fight that selfish urge of being with the man she's missed for you know 70 years like and having to give that up because it's not right like making the hero's choice in the mm. end instead she makes the hero's choice of renouncing her wish not because like she's stolen a dude's life so that steve can walk around in this guy's body and only Diana knows it's Steve. Um, she gives it up because it's the only way to defeat the villain. 
not because it's necessarily the right thing to do. Now, she and Pine play it off as it being the right thing to do in that yeah. last scene. And that the, the moment of him saying bye is brilliant. Like, that's wonderful. They just kind yeah, of have this they, moment. They play off they, each they, other really, really well, yeah, but they the material embrace, isn't great. Amidst all the chaos, she walks away. He calls out for her, but doesn't, he doesn't like come back round the pillar or whatever. He just calls out to her. And as she walks away, she's crying. She renounces her wish. And we, we just know that Steve's gone. And she doesn't look back. She keeps running. And she starts to get her powers back. Yeah, so she, she starts so to she, heal. So she renounces Steve so that she can be superpowered to fight the baddie. That's not the hero's journey. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's not that's not Clark giving up his powers in Superman 2. Like, that's... It's, it's weird, man. Like, you could do something about it in terms of, like, she's been the hero for so long, why can't she have this? And they try to do that. But it's so muddied in the rules of the quote-unquote monkey's poor wishing Because rock. they're not really properly established and they're not really yeah. properly stuck to. And yeah. also... And also, yes, has, she been, has she just spent 70 years pining for Steve? Apparently so. That's because, really upsetting. That means Diana's had no agency for 70 years. But she sacrificed so much, yet has this incredible, ill-defined job and this beautiful yeah. apartment and... Oh, she doesn't own a TV, except for the four TVs that she owns in yeah. the surveillance room. I said this, I, I said this to Kanisha when we were watching it. They're not TVs, they're monitors. That's yes. what you tell the licensing man when he comes round. But it also means that truth's so important to her. Why did she lie about the TV thing? Um... <laughs> they're not TVs, they're, <laughs> they're monitors. monitors. Um... I will talk about stuff I enjoy. People are listening to this going, did you like any of it? I did. I like quite a lot. I, I mean, I, just, I, I, I like most of it, but I think I was, <laughs> I think the problem is, is that I was distracted enough by the stuff I like. Yeah. You, so not, I think, I think you, 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 you bathed in the fun more. Yeah. Whereas for you and for, and for other people who have a problem with it, I think, the stuff, the good stuff in it is just not enough to, yeah, to yeah. to sort of paper over the cracks in it, which is sort of the balancing act that you have to play with a lot of genre stuff. Is it's those acceptable breaks from reality? It's how inconsistent you can be with the rules of real life and yeah. by and the rules that you establish in the film and get away with it because what you're doing is compelling slash entertaining slash uh, terrifying, whatever it's trying to elicit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this kind of falls... I think Aquaman... I compare it to Aquaman because I think Aquaman does it really well. Yeah. Where it is, it is yeah. so much fun that you kind of forgive or overlook its flaws... And the fact that it is sort of three different scripts jammed into one. Um, Aquaman, Aquaman, Aquaman sort of felt like a Saturday morning cartoon movie. Like it it was just big and flashy and silly. And, and, you know, it, it, it was, it was a popcorn film. Whereas this kind of felt like three screenwriters vaguely recalled watching body swap comedies and sex comedies from yeah, the 80s it, and forgot why the premises worked. They just remembered that the premises happened there's no and real them into a film. I guess there's no real reason why it has to be set in 84 either. There's no real reason why Steve can't just have appeared. Yeah. 
Like, um, that would make more sense. But it's things like... I know what you mean, the 80s setting, it's like, there's nothing... Di- I guess... I guess to service Maxwell Lord's story at first, but once Maxwell... Because the interesting bit is Maxwell Lord gets the rock and his wishes, because he, he, he's like... He's determined not to look like a schlub in front of his son. Yeah. Which then apparently at the end is revealed to be because he's his dad always beat him and abused him and called him a loser, so he doesn't want to be a loser. And yeah. somehow... I think it's meant to have made him realize that he's mistreating his son just in a different way. So he reconnects with his son. Good luck reconnecting with your son after you're arrested for what you did to the fucking planet, mate. Yeah. Got jail for 40, 50 years. Yeah, the fact that never, we never, which we really never see, see, and we never see what happens to Barbara. As yeah. well, there's no real consequences for any of the villains. Barbara somehow wishes again and wishes to be better than everyone else and be an apex predator, so becomes cheater. And I've got to say, look pretty fucking good. Yeah, there was a bit of scuttlebutt before I watched it that the cheetah stuff looked dodgy. I thought it looked pretty good. It kind of sucks that that scene was the only one where suddenly everything was washed out in blue, like another like Mm. another Snyder movie. Well, I think a lot. I I I wanted to see that. I wanted to see that orange and yellow fur and and like you know Wonder Woman. Obviously, she was in the golden armor, which again made no sense when you actually examined it. It looked cool, but it made no sense. Like, I wanted to see those colourful costumes clashing. You know what I mean? Like, these bright, big, larger-than-life characters fighting. And instead, they were both just washed out in blue. And they just swung on electric cables for Ironically, minutes. I think... And, the, then, and then she's the like, reason... you're not going to change back? No, right, well, I'm going to drown you and electrocute you then. I- ironically, what? I think the reason that it was mu- muted is also the reason why it looks as good as it does. Because they couldn't quite make it look good. Brighter. So they just, they just, the fact that it's at night and darker probably hides whatever problems they had with it. I didn't particularly notice any, and I imagine a lot of it was makeup that they touched up. Maybe. Um. I mean, but... wig, 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 wig was the highlight for me. Pascal was a lot of fun, but Kristen Wig. For me, I was like, I buy everything you're doing. I buy everything you're going through. I know what you're feeling from what you're giving. And considering you are primarily known as a comedy actress and a a softer drama actress, you are delivering in an action film. You are delivering sympathetic. You're delivering villainous. I I buy it. You're pretty damn fun. It's a shame you're going to die left alone on that island, apparently. Um, Because somehow... Maxwell Lord gets back, but anyway. Um, so the the only interesting plot development to me was Maxwell Lord getting hold of the stone and his wish being, I wish that I was the stone. Great idea. Mm. Like suddenly he's able to grant wishes. And then that's when it became clear that the monkey's poor thing was bullshit because it was, no, I grant a wish and then I take something in return. But then it was never really explained. We kind of had to debate about it, me and Lucy, trying to figure it out. So his wish was to be the stone. So what the stone then took from him was his health. I guess. Which is why when he's wishing on... Right, so at first he becomes the stone and then he goes to Simon Stagg, cool shout out, and um, wishes... He gets Simon Stagg to wish that um, Maxwell's company Black Black Gold will prosper because it's in benefit of them both. Yeah, and he's like, well, of course I wish that. 
fucking wind effect, wind sound effect. The wind. Great. Um, and in return, I'm going to take all of your shares away. So what he takes is Stag's shares in black gold. Uh, no, so, he, no. What he takes? Or does he take all of Stag's shares? What he, what he, what? In return, what he wants is for Stag is to get Stag's money. Yeah. And magically lose him, like take him out of his. I think he says something like, "You will magically be removed as an obstacle" or something like that. Yeah, and then as he's Next going thing out, you know, his company's fucking... been investigated for fraud. And the, the feds, the, yeah, right the, fed, and... the feds are right to take him, take him to, uh, take him to tax jail. So then he goes abroad to uh, grant a wish to the guy who he basically is like, "I want my, I want my, 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 you know, the 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 legacy and and and." the dynasty of like my my people to, to I want all my again. ancestral land back and I want, I want all the people back. I don't like cut like to stay away. Yeah, and Max the Law's like, your wish is granted, and in return I'm gonna take all your oil. So it's like, oh so Max is building his business up and building yeah. his business up. But then he also goes, I'm gonna take your men as well. Because he can't take the oil. So why can't he take the oil? Because he's because the guy's already sold all the oil. Right, so he takes his because 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 the guy says I've already sold all my oil to the Saudis. Right. Like that's it, yeah. So, so then his men, so then his men go like, like suddenly right, go all zombified and leave with him, his security team. It's not even like they're zombified. It's just they have a moment of confusion and then they're cool. They're just with Max. Yeah. Um, so then I'm like, right. So his plan <clears> is he, what he's what he's basically planning is to get rich by taking everyone else's reserves. But then he starts to get sick. So he wishes himself via other people to the point of getting an audience with the president. He's he's after power. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Early on, it's success and it's money and it's proving he's not a loser. And then it becomes power. So he wishes himself away into the president's thing so that the president gets enough nukes to fight back against Russia for, for many reasons. Yeah. And in return, Max Lord takes the president's authority by being a higher authority than him yeah so essentially he becomes the president's boss and the president's just suddenly like yep sure i'll tell you what you need to know let's do this and everyone around him in the room is sort of like what no huh but then they go along with it too and then right so he wants power but he's also dying somehow well because the implication is the stone is eating him away or, it's not, it, or the, killing the, him the stone is influenced because the way that the stone works is like oh it, all these in all these civilizations wished themselves into extinction yeah um so which is a, which is a great premise but that's not what's it's not very to, it's, that's it's not, not what's happening to him it's not well I mean. communicated like yeah well it's, that's not what that's what's not that's not what's happening to him like it seems like these civilizations were destroyed because everybody, everything got out of control. Which this film sort of doesn't it, very, it, doesn't very convincingly show us. Like it shows us DC going into disarray, but the way DC goes into disarray is like people wish to have a farm and then they've got a farm randomly in a park. In DC no, but it's it's the knock-on effects of all the other wishes. Like that's true. That's true. The oil markets. Yeah. Him suddenly having an oil monopoly just completely fucks the economy overnight. Yeah. And but, like like, but 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 like overnight overnight like yeah. the events of this movie take place over like three days yeah no it's it's not very well communicated because the 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 implication so that odd. i got was that 
the stone is driving Max to, yeah, to want more but, power. But, but, but then when he but... gets on the satellite thing, I like the magical contrivance there. The whole like, wait, so this thing touches people because he needs to touch people to for the wishes to work. Yeah. And then like his his son's one confused me. His son wished him to be a greater man or something. And it was like, what? Because there was yeah, no, again, there was no comeuppance for that, and it doesn't, doesn't really make any really, sense. Um, it doesn't really yeah. come through. But also, it is neat that it, he's like he isn't sure whether the satellite's going to work, so he gets someone to wish that it will work for him. Yeah, like that. That's that's that's, neat. that's clever, and I like the idea that the, the president's like, so this the signals will touch people. He's like, well, that's the way it's explained to me. And he's like, right. Okay, this is a sign. This is what I need to do to broadcast myself and grant more wishes, and uses bullshit pyramid schemey spiel on a yeah. global scale. Um, but then he makes it clear the reason he's doing that when he talks to Barbara and the jet. After probably my favorite action set piece, which was the the fisticuffs between uh, Wonder Woman and, and Steve and the Secret Service. Yeah, the stuff. And the, like the whole that White House sequence is really cool. Like, the, like the, like the, the the car chase with the missiles and the, and the tanks was great, but like the White House punch him up for me was like that is, I get how I get everything that's happening, I understand everyone's motivation, the choreography of it all is really really good. Reaction shots of Pedro Pascal being like oh shit are really funny, like you know th- this is, th- th- this is great. And then he gets in the jet with her, and in that he states that he's going to grant all the wishes he can. And take all the life force he needs to stay stay alive. So it's like, right, so his motivation now is to grant all these wishes to heal himself? Okay, and then what? Yeah, what? Like, and then what? What? Well, the greed's gone to his head. Yeah, but to what end? Like, he's he's a planner. The film establishes early on that this man has managed to grift for at least a decade to a semblance of, a semblance of success like he wouldn't it's not like he's got so much power he doesn't know what to do with it no he knows exactly what to do with it. he's planning and his plans I think, don't lead to anything i think what the movie's going for is that the stone is pushing him yeah. in that direction for yeah. its benefit but i think it does a really piss poor job of actually explaining that but it's also really odd to be like well so we learn in it that Either everyone has to denounce their wish, or Diana has to destroy the stone. So kill yeah. Max. And it seems like that is absolutely last resort for Diana. And you could yeah. argue she's the hero, sure. But then people wish like horrid racist attacks, and people wish for people to die, and it's like, I'm sorry. My big problem with the third act of Man of Steel is that Superman didn't kill Zod sooner. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he shouldn't have to, and it's going to cause him great pain to do so. But Zod is killing millions of people. Clark, you're the only other like grown up in the room who can take him off the table. Please, for the love of shit, take him off the table. Yeah. And the same with Wonder Woman in the first movie. We saw her killing, killing German soldiers. So, yep. Yep. kill Maxwell Lord. <laughs> yep. And again, some might listen and say, but that's not what heroes do. 
sometimes they have to and we watch it happen in other hero things and sometimes it's delivered flippantly in that saturday morning cartoon cops and robbers kind of way and sometimes it's done where it then weighs on them and they have to deal with it and it all depends on the character the circumstance the story they're in in this film diana is a superhero through and through when she's yeah. in the role of wonder woman she's saving people left and right she's doing the right thing so i'm glad that she went the route that wouldn't cause death and destruction or, or involve her killing the bad guy to cut it short because the better way is always refreshing to see. Yeah. But the world was eating itself alive and this was a long shot, like a real long shot. Um, Would I want to, do I want, do I wish she'd killed Maxwell? No, I wish they'd just written a better conclusion that didn't result yeah. in me going, why aren't you killing him? <laughs> like, yeah kill him because it's the only way everything's going to be saved is if you kill him or like i don't know break the satellite yeah i don't fucking know (laughs) but by making him have a young son and that being his primary motivation he then can't really have diana kill him exactly but you also didn't have to write the son in yeah well yeah but that's that's the mess you've gotten yourself in there because by by the end of the film we didn't have any villains (laughs) no Neither of them were villains. They well, were I guess they were corrupted by power. I guess the god that made the stone, which is like mentioned in a throwaway, like, which is like scene, like Ares, is that... sort of a non-entity, really. Yeah, it's in like the first movie. Movies. Yeah, I. And while we're at it, where are those people from the future that came to Earth in the Timeless Children in that TARDIS? Where the fuck are they? They're not in Revolution <laughs> of the Daleks. Where are they? Where are they? The three aliens from the future just they're like... Just, they're just living their lives. Well, they're just say chilling. That. Mention that. Like, what? Anyway, point is, um, I, wish I, I wish I liked it more. I really do. For me, it's sort of like... The three DCEU movies I've loved are yeah. Wonder Woman, uh, Birds of Prey, and Shazam. Like, yeah. For me, they're the peak of what this franchise can and should be. Um, I think for, for me, and then, it's... and then it's sort of Aquaman for fun, Wonder Woman yeah. eighty four for you know just sure spectacle. For Pedro Pascal, Pedro Pascal, Christian just... Wig, great. Um, the last fifteen minutes of the theatrical cut of Justice League, <laughs> the Suicide Squad soundtrack album, not the soundtrack in film. Uh... <laughs> and then the rest of it. Oh, Man of Steel. I, I guess I, I've never. I don't, I have like no half of Man of Steel. I have no desire to go back and watch it. Like, I mean, and then the rest of it can burn in the pits of hell. For um, me, it's just it's just fluff. Like it is inconsequential. Like, yeah, insubstantial fluff. I th- like I, I can I think I'm more disappointed than yeah. Anything. I can't really. Yeah. I can't really find it in myself to care about it enough to be massively disappointed. And it's weird like, that it's just it's fine. World I weary. I I don't like spending time with world weary Diana. No, it's not interesting. Like she's, she's not fun. I would. I didn't like spending time with her in Justice League, and I certainly didn't like spending time with her in in this. And I get that it was in service of reversing roles for a couple sequences where Steve was the wide-eyed, yeah, excited person seeing a brand new world like Diana did when he brought her back to England in, in the, the first one. Mm. But for a whole film of her just being like so despondent and 
stressed. I was just like, I no, that's not the Diana I fell in love with. And and it goes back to what I said. Like I think her, I retroactively give more credit to Alan Heinberg because yeah. Patty Jenkins, Gal Gadot, and screenwriter Alan Heinberg created the Wonder Woman that popped for me in, in the last film. Let's talk real briefly about um, Asteria. We randomly learned the legend oh, about, yes. Yes. of a Themyscaran warrior called <clears throat> Asteria who created a golden armor, which is the one you've all seen in the trailers and on the posters and stuff Wonder Woman wearing. Yes. And we randomly see a story where like the world of men attack them scare and she defends it but all we see is this we've run out of money so let's just edit around this scene mm. where she's there with the wings folded around herself as as angry viking looking men just smash into the wings with axes and hammers and the lesson of it i guess is that like you know she did what was necessary to like there's sort of a soft implication that maybe she died defending themiscara and it's taken Diana a while, but she's found the armor. So it's obviously like in man's world and she's got it in her monitor room. Um, and <laughs> not the not the, not the nicest bit of set dressing in all of her apartment. That was the photo of her with an aged Etta Candy. That was really that, that she was stayed really friends sweet. with Etta Candy. Although I do wonder, did they get Lucy Davis in a shitload of prosthetics? For Apparently so, yeah. They did. Apparently so. I, I wonder whether or not they just like digitally composited her. Because I think way, she's credited. Either way, they both looked superimposed over the photograph. Oh, yes. Was, I, think was a, I think was mostly a, 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 a result of the filter on the film. Because there was some shots of Diana superimposed. Like the slow-mo mannequin children in the car chase. Which... Um, looked really bad because they chose to do slow-mo over a filter that makes the chroma key stand out when it's slowed down. Do you know what I mean? There's a couple shots in that car chase scene where she's like running toward the camera and it's like, I know that's green screen because that's how they achieve these effects, but it looks green screen because this filter is making her pop so much from the background uh, and the same with the bit where she catches the children and they go into slow mo and she is clearly holding two mannequins in a way that oh yeah that in was 20, super... in twenty twenty you cannot forgive that being put in a film yeah that was out. that was clunky there's a reason we all mock the baby in American Sniper like and I, if there's any justice in the world this shot should be taken the piss out of just as much yeah it's um, a clunky ass effect that but uh she has a stereo how armor. long was this in post for oh i know like well the film's been complete since uh late 2019 well obviously not because that's yeah, a they've... clunky fucking shot and you had all this extra time to be like <laughs> okay well i don't need to rush into cinemas now i can fix that yeah um but Asteria's armor is a thing and then later when diana goes to fight Oh, that was weird. The sequence where she's flying, falling with style. Yeah. Is me- implies she's traveling for a while, but she goes from part of DC to another part of DC. I thought she was going toward Max Lord on the island. How long was she just hovering above DC? Who could say? It's just, it's the editing. It's so weird. Um, it's she like, goes back and, there's and no gets way Asteria's armor, that- which then doesn't serve any purpose other than showing us how strong Cheetah is because Cheetah pounces, Diana folds the wings around herself, Cheetah scratches away at them and damages them enough that Diana's like, right, shakes the wings off and goes into the fight. 
I'm like, okay, the armor kind of served no purpose, really, other than to look a bit cool. But then we get a mid-credits scene. Um, Presumably modern day? Uh, I felt I mean, like it was still the 80s. Did you get that vibe? Yeah. Um, someone dressed in a, 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 a blue dress slash robe similar... To sort of Diana's like, dress it's made it's made to look film. like it's Diana. Yeah, but you don't and see then, it. Yeah, like this person, <clears throat> a thing nearly falls on a baby. It's like a telephone pole. Yeah, and this person catches it and then walks off. And this lady's like, "You see my child? Hello!" And she turns around, and both Lucy and I was like, "What the hell?" Because suddenly, Linda Carter's on screen. Yeah, OG Wonder Woman, live action Wonder Woman herself, Linda Carter is on screen, looking yeah. fabulous as ever. And they imply that she's uh hysteria no they say that she's hysteria yeah because oh, she's sorry, credited yeah. as hysteria but like oh yeah no, well, yeah of course like sorry i mean in the scene they they imply because it's just like oh it's an amazon living on earth because we know that hysteria like that she was never found but her armor was found yeah and then it comes up with linda carter as hysteria and you're like right and it doesn't need to be anything else. It can just be a neat it, cameo. It, it does a little, because... Why? Why? Like, why Why is it... I'd rather Linda Carter have had a really neat cameo elsewhere in the movie as a character that did something. Or a throwaway moment that's just like, oh shit, that was Linda Carter. Whereas instead... Yeah, this like, is a throwaway moment that it... Well, yeah, but oh, they've, shit, been, they, they've been using the mid and, and post credit scenes to tease a wider world or a prospective next story. Now, maybe the next story is... Diana learns of other Amazons, like outside of Themyscira, and they're up to something. Maybe that's the case. Like if they if they turn around now and say the third one is gonna feature Asteria, and we're actually gonna follow up on that little mid credits thing, then I'd be like, okay, sure. But in the minute, I'm just like, that's weird. Something can just be neat. Like yeah, it can just be neat. Maybe maybe stick it. After the credits, as like, a I mean, you've, waited, uh, you've waited this long, here's another random little thing for you. A like, little stinger. Well, that's what, kind of what it is. You just don't want yeah. after someone to have to stay to the end. Like a, a, a little stinger that, that like that can just be neat mm-hmm. and not have serve a larger purpose. My favorite cameo. Uh, looking at the cast list, my favorite cameo is um, Godot's husband, uh, Gal Gadot's husband, Yaron Vasano, and their two daughters, Alma and Maya. Make brief appearances near the end of the film. Something oh like yeah, the, the the kid, one the, the the guy and two of the kids on the carousel. Yeah, yeah, that's a cute cameo. That is um, cute it's cameo. not an obvious one, but when you learn it, you're like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Um. Um. So I would if... rather you know I'd I'd rather Linda Carter have appeared in a post credits thing as Wonder Woman or Diana, because then we all be like, wait, what? And then you fucking reveal she's involved in the Flash film in some way. The one that's going to be about multiverses and crossing timelines and different realities. Yeah, but this, certainly when this was filmed, there was no guarantee that that was ever going to fucking happen. True. And it definitely didn't have a fucking script. True. True that, true that. Oh, God. Do you know Sometimes, you know Chris, just it can of? just be a cameo. Do you know what I've just thought of? What? That film could have featured an alternate universe version of the Trinity. And that's how you could have had Keaton. You could have put Linda Carter and you could have brought Brandon Routh into it and done Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman in an alternate reality. 
revealing that all those things exist in the same world. And yeah, well, they might Grant... do that. Uh, yeah, you don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, What's that I got wish... to do with Wonder Woman 84? I don't know. Maybe it's because the film bored me and I'm thinking of other things. I <laughs> To be fair, I can understand that. Yeah, I, I wish I enjoyed it more. Uh, I'm like I'm unlikely to revisit it. If I'm no, honest. I don't think I'll revisit it um, anytime soon, certainly. Uh, it's too fucking long. It's very long. And I was at home. I wasn't in the cinema. Yeah, that's the thing too. It's like, it wouldn't. I don't think this cut would have gone to cinemas. I think it would have dropped at least 20 minutes before it I, went to cinemas. But then so it's already... Get, so you could get more screenings in. But it's already, it's already choppy enough at 2 hours and 35. Yeah. Plot-wise, that what would you cut? Like... Hmm... It would only it would only make less sense, and it doesn't make a ton of sense to begin with. Have you guys seen it? What do you think of it? Big damn contact at gmail.com if you've seen Wonder Woman 1984. You no can rush. also let us know. I don't <laughs> rush. But you can also let us know on Twitter at Big Damn Cast. Um, hit us up during the week on stream. Matt streams Adventures in Backlogging every Friday from 7 toity on twitch.tv slash big damn uh, we're also <laughs> on youtube if you want to see all of our wares and tears big damn channel and if you want to support the channel in some way help keep the lights on or just you know like buy us a coffee when we can afford to buy coffee from places outside of our own homes in the future by going to patreon.com slash big damn cast that's the thing you can do yeah or you can scour the earth to piece together the golden winged armor of your forefathers or foremothers and uh, use them to shield yourself when shopping in our Um Just remember that the armor goes over your nose. See you next week! Bye! Bye! Ride a bike! Bye!